My name's David. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend, wherever or whenever you're watching this online. It's Memorial Day around here. Could I just say this? We would not be here today if it weren't for sacrifice of thousands of men and women who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. Many of whom veterans in our church. I think as you get older, when you're younger, you don't appreciate what people did who paved the way for you in our country and in our church. And so we, we thank God for those folks. And we also thank God that I got to play with some action figurines last week. We talked about these categories of people and I used some WWE plastic figures to do that. It was great. We're doing a series called I Was Broke. Anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody here broke? Right. I didn't break the internet with my action figures. I didn't break these action figures either. Um, it, was a, it was an awesome week. I got to play with them in my office as well and, uh, you know, manipulate them around. And we had three different categories of people. We had, we said those who are underwater, they're like really weighed down by the heaviness and the bondage of debt. And we have some people in this category. And then we talked about last week in this I Was Broke series about those who just kind of they're, they're not underwater, right? But they're just kind of treading water. They're just kind of floating downstream, going with the flow. That's not always good. The only things that go with the flow are dead fish. I heard Laura Hamilton say that, right? See, Laura made it in the sermon. She didn't know it. But the, and then we got some people that are like walking on the water. They, they're not in bondage. They're not underwater. You know, they're not floating on the water, but they're kind of at the top of the ladder, so to speak. All three categories, all these people are broke in some ways if we're not careful. And based on the emails that I got this week, I, I think we were helpful in helping to describe and helping people get out of whatever category they're in. I got this uh, email from Sandy. Happy Monday, Pastor David. We absolutely love the Sunday service, the WWF action figures to explain the different situations that people are in. It was a much needed sermon for my ears. I got a thinking about that eating out and DoorDash stuff that you talked about. So I took the time to look back over my checking account and the amount of money that we spend stupidly is why we're in the chains at the bottom of the lake in the tank. I'm so glad that you're doing this teaching series because I personally believe that it will help us make healthy and positive changes in our home. Oh, that just blesses pastors when they hear that. We love serving God through Whitewater Crossing. We absolutely love our Whitewater family. So I think we were helpful last week, even to you select sports people. I heard from you too. Uh, thank you. I think we helped you too. But we are thankful for everybody here. We're thankful for all of you who are engaging whenever and wherever you are. Our series comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19. Let me read it to you again. We just keep coming back to this because it's so practical for whatever category you're in. And on a Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to tell you, this is profoundly true. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. We're going to talk about treasure today. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one 
and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. (laughs) Many of us watching here, many of you in this room are trying to do that. How's that working out for you? (laughs) You got to serve somebody. Now, I want to give you two secrets today, just kind of speak authentically with you, if I could, which we do every week here, but I just want to share a little bit of the Vaughn family story, a little bit of the background about why perhaps I'm so interested and why I'm so passionate about teaching about this subject. I want to give you two secrets for making and managing treasure. These two principles have helped me and my family greatly because, let me tell you, We lived a long time underwater. I was born in Ashland, Kentucky, to a mom with an alcoholic father who grew up dirt poor in a shack, literally, in the middle of the Depression. My dad only made it through his early years and my early years by laying brick, working with his hands, before he became a preacher. Listen, you don't brag, for the most part, that you hail from Catlettsburg, Kentucky. I'm just telling you right now. But one day, my parents found Jesus, and it radically redirected their whole life. One day, not only did they find Jesus, they found some money management principles, and they taught those to me and helped pull our family out of habitual generational poverty. I am one generation removed from a shack in the middle of nowhere with no indoor plumbing, just trying to get by. So I'm telling you, these principles work. I stand on the shoulders of our country, but I stand on the shoulders of a parents who broke that cycle. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online are going to be the people that break out of this cycle of poverty that you're in because poverty glorifies nobody. So what I'm going to tell you, these two secrets, they, they work no matter what category, what family, what state you find yourself in. And the first has to do with this, and oh, this is a biggie. When it comes to treasure... You have to think differently about it, especially if you're underwater. If you're burdened by the chains of debt and poor money management, you got to think differently about that. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Paul says that Satan has blinded the minds of people. And I think he's deceived them more with their view of money and treasure than anywhere else. You have to think differently. How you make your money, how you manage your money. For instance, if your first question when you're thinking about buying something is this, what's the monthly payment? You're thinking like a poor person. You're thinking poverty. You're, you're already on to, off, the, off the right track and you need to get back on. That, that's not the most important question. For instance, if you don't know what the rule of 72 is, what the magic of compound interest is, you've got some education. You need to start thinking differently. I know some of you are going to Google that right now. It's tied to how fast your money will double. You've got to move out of a poverty mentality, a scarcity kind of thinking into an abundance type of thinking because God gives us all we need right here. How to think differently. Any of y'all watch uh, Family Feud on TV? I love Steve Harvey. I, I think he's a, a riot. Well, you may not know this, but he does a little Q&A about his life in between takes of the set of Family Feud. And I found one this week 
that describes this the best I've ever seen. Check out Steve Harvey. Well, same advice I give to my kids, man. If I could get them to understand the importance of their 20s. Because, man, you know what I did? I just blew my 20s. I ended up spending all of my 30s fixing what I messed up in my 30s. I spent all of my 40s doing what I could have been doing in my 30s. I looked up, man, I had let too much time slip away. If you could get young people to get their foot on the gas pedal in their 20s, because right now they think going out is everything. And I keep telling them, man, you're going to outgrow that in a minute. Because, you know, like at this age, it's when somebody says, hey, we're going to go out to a club tonight. <laughs> what? Go out to a club? Are you kidding me? It don't make no sense to you now because you're over that. But it takes a minute for them to understand that, man. It's sad. I wish they'd get it. But it was, I wasn't clubbing in my 20s. I just, I didn't, I didn't know how to make a vision board. I didn't, I didn't know how to. What really changed my life, man, was I started, I got in Amway when I was about 24. I got in Amway. And that changed my life, man, because the first time ever, they introduced me to self-help books. And I read two books that changed my life. It was uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale and The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. I read them books and it changed my life. But it also made me remember what my mother had taught me because she was a Sunday school teacher because all self-help books are Bible-based. There's nothing... Everything comes from the Bible. All them, all them self-help books, that's Proverbs. That's all it is. It's the book of wisdom and understanding. If you, if you could read that, it, it'd change your life too. But sometimes you need you know, regular books where you can relate to it differently. But it all comes from the Bible. It's like a great book is the secret. But if you read the secret, it's all Bible versed. I mean, it's just based on the Bible. You can't think of nothing new how to tell a person to succeed without the Bible. You can't. It's, it doesn't work that way, you know, so. A couple of books changed my life, man. But the magic of thinking big was huge for me. It just taught me one simple principle. It don't cost no more energy to think big than it does small. You can say Volkswagen and you can say Rolls Royce with the same amount of effort. You ain't got the grunt to say Rolls Royce. So if the Bible is true, which it says a man is as he thinketh, if you think poor thoughts, you got to be poor. The moment you change that thought into wealth or riches, you start the process to becoming wealthy or rich. It's, 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 it's not a magic trick. It's, I mean, it's really how it works. I, you know, people complicate it. You got to do this and you got to do that. But the Bible's pretty plain. They ain't got no loopholes in it. Really don't. It's just real simple. It say what it say. All you got to do is believe it's talking to you. <laughs> That's what it is. Most people don't think that God is talking to them, that I come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. You don't think he's talking to you? He'll give you life more abundantly. He do. He really will. You ain't got to be rich to have an abundant life. Sometimes you just need to be healthy, happy. You know, you could be really happy, man, making $70,000 a year. You really, really can. You don't need a few million. I did, but you, can, you didn't need it. It helped me a little bit. 
But to be honest, it didn't make me happy. It really didn't. Until you, well, need God to be happy. So I ain't, gonna, I ain't no preacher, so we got ministers in the room. So I'm just telling y'all from a hood perspective what I did to get here. You can go to church and hear it or take it from a dude to come out the bottom. Ain't got nothing. Ain't going to pass no offering tray. I don't really care. If you don't believe me, you ain't got to. But I made it. That's real talk. Steve Harvey. I love Steve Harvey. Did you hear? Notice how many times you got to think differently. You got to think differently. By the way, his analogy on the Volkswagen and the Rolls Royce is not good for me because I drive a Volkswagen. But anyway, I, uh, if you're underwater, you got to think differently. And if you're treading water, if you're treading water, you got to think differently about your treasure, how to acquire it, how to manage it. For a long time, my wife and I were underwater for a while, and then we were treading water. It wasn't until the last few years that we've kind of been getting on top of the water. You may not know this. I'll give you a little insider information. Most pastors are not paid a lot of money to do what they do. If we did it for money, it's the last thing that we would do. You ought to thank God we're not in it for the money. But when you start in ministry, just like any career, you kind of start early on not making a lot. Some of you young people, my first weekend ministry back in Bible college, 90-minute drive each way, you know what I made? So when Donna and I, the two of us got married, I was excited to hear the church leaders say that they were going to give me a pay increase. I was so excited, you know, because two can live as cheap as one if one don't eat. That's what I figured. (laughs) So I was figuring, you know what? They're going to increase me. I was thinking it's probably going to be $100. (laughs) But you know what they did? They gave me $60, (laughs) $10 increase. Which is why I'm so grateful for the leaders of Whitewater who over the years have been so generous to Donna and I. Back then, though, I'll tell you what, I was a little disappointed. I kind of had to figure out, am I in it for the money or am I not? Am I going to try tr- tithe? Am I going to trust God? Donna and I had to decide that or not. And we trusted him. We kept giving. We kept tithing. We kept living by these principles. And you know what he did? You got to keep hope alive. You got to Keep thinking differently when you're treading water. The things that we've been talking about, you got to keep applying. You won't see them overnight, but you got to keep going with your treasure. Some of you who are golfers, I bet you were watching TV last Sunday afternoon. Phil Mickelson, who up to this point was just treading water with his career. He won a major PGA Tour event uh, last week. And the cool thing was, He was 50, almost 51 years old. It's a record. He struck a mighty blow for all the old samurais. I'm just telling you right now. And you know what he credits his win to? A different way of thinking. He called it elongating his mind to match his golf swing to help him visualize shots. He wrote this. I just believed it was possible even though everyone was saying it wasn't. That's the mentality. I hope others find this inspiration. There are huge, huge rewards. If you will just change your thinking, if you're underwater, you, if you will just change your thinking, if you're treading water. For those of you watching here online, maybe just type that in the chat. I'm going to think 
differently. I'm not going to act the same way, and I'm not going to think the same way. And if you're just like walking on water, all is peachy and great. And I didn't win the vaccine lottery last week. I know you all were praying for me to do that. Maybe coming up. But if you're walking on water, you really have to think differently. You have to make sure that you don't get deceived into the thinking that your money that you hold is really yours, that your happiness, your security is tied to your treasure. It's not. Here's what I see wealthy people, those afflicted by wealth, struggle with. They start to believe that their self-worth is equal to their net worth. That's a lie. Some of the godliest, happiest people are some of the poorest among us because they have things money can't buy. When you're in that category of uh, afflicted by wealth, walking on water, you have to remind yourself you've been blessed to be a blessing. There was a guy back in Jesus' day that struggled with this very thing. I bet you know his name. They call him the rich what? Am I remember? The rich young ruler. Let me show you a story in Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, and here's, some, here's a guy who should have been walking on water. But he's in bondage of another kind. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? By the way, that's life's greatest question. What do I need to do? What kind of relationship do I need to have to get to heaven? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. <laughs> now here we see he's got a problem already. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. <laughs> you know he's lying. <laughs> right. And Jesus looked at him and he what? Don't miss that. He loved him. Jesus loves you no matter what category you're on. He doesn't love you because you have more wealth. He loves you because he loves you. All categories. He loved him. We've got to love everybody. He doesn't approve of everything we do, but, man, he loves you. One thing you like, he said, go sell everything you have. Now, he doesn't say this to everybody in this category because Jesus perceived this guy. He had an idol he was clutching, and he had to get right to the point. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had what? Great wealth. Which is so sad. Here's what he was talking to the richest person on heaven and earth, in heaven and earth. He was talking to the guy who had eternal riches. He's talking to the guy who could give him wealth beyond his wildest imagination. See, this guy was in a 24-carat gold bar prison of his own making. He walked away from Jesus. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, this is true, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. This, it's hard to think differently about your treasure. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven because it's a stumbling block. Wealth can be a burden. And the disciples are even more amazed and said to each other, well, what then, who then can be saved? 
See, they falsely linked finances and faith, which is what a lot of us do. Jesus looked at them and said, oh, I love this phrase. This is for someone watching online, someone watching on TV, someone in this room. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Some of you are thinking, there's no way I can get out of this situation I'm in. It might be a marital issue, it might be a financial issue, it might be an emotional issue, relational issue. I don't care what issue. Nothing is impossible with God. Whatever category you're in, you're underwater and you're, you're drowning, nothing's impossible with God. You're treading water, nothing's impossible with God. You're, you're on top, great. Don't lose your salvation because of your wealth. Nothing. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. Peter's always the one to speak up. <laughs> we have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one, and this is a promise for some of you in this room, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or father, mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. See, there's a blessing. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields of a new kind. Along with persecutions, you're going to get that too. And in the age to come, eternal life. Because many who are first, those who are on top right now, they're going to be last in God's cosmic kingdom narrative. And those who are last, the least, will be first. Wow. What, what, a, what a revolutionary teaching on how to think about giving. And so if you're on top right now, you should be thinking about legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? How far? To whom will you ripple out your wealth? Because it never was yours to begin with. So the thing that turned the Vaughn family around, the thing that still turns my life around, i got to think differently. If I'm not careful, the devil will cause me to think about stuff and get me in a cycle of thinking negatively. It's always going to be this way. You can never get out of that. Thank God my parents didn't think that way. Thank God our country didn't think that way. you got to think differently. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. i got to think on that every day. Because there's some stuff in my life, my world right now, how in the world can God use that for his good? got to think differently. Be made new, renewed in the attitude of your minds, Paul says. But there's another secret sauce that our family has practiced, and it's also what Jesus said here in Matthew 6. And we have been the recipient of this as well as we've learned how to do it. Not only do you need to think differently, you need to give secretly and generously. Notice what it says in Matthew 6, verse 1, beginning of the chapter. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. When you start to be generous, when you start to give, do not practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, when you give, notice it's not if you give, when you give. He assumes that we're going to give. But when you do that, do not announce it with trumpets. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others, truly I tell you, 
they have received their reward in full. Jesus said, you're going to get a reward for giving. It's either here on earth or it's up in heaven. You're going to get a, you can't give without receiving something. But what Jesus does here is fascinating to me. He uses an analogy of what was happening. He might've even been looking and thinking about that when he said it. When you give, don't announce it with trumpets. And this could be several different things. They actually had people in their day, they think one theory is that when the rich people came and they dropped their money, that they had trumpeters, people that follow behind us, get your attention, watch what I give. <laughs> well, they got a reward, but it is from God. Another thinking is that they had offering receptacles like then, back then, like boxes like we do, that were shaped like trumpets. You put it in the funnel of the trumpet, it goes down. Other people think that they didn't give dollar bills, you know, so they heard the jingle, not the crinkle. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Like you put those coins in there, it makes a lot of noise, and they just kept making a lot of noise. She says, you, you're, if you do it that way, if you give your giving that way, oh, you'll get a reward, but it's not the kind you're looking for. But when you give to the needy, there's he repeats it again, not, not if, when. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. More about that in a second. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Secret giving. You got to think differently, but you got to give generously and secretly. So if you're in the category of the underwater and the broke, you, you got to give. Who's the greatest example of that? The widow, which is why she didn't cause a lot of noise. She gave like a mite, just the smallest amount, half of a penny when she put hers in the offering. But everybody here, everybody in God's world has something to give. If you're treading water, you got to give secretly too. In fact, this is what Luke says in Luke 6, 38. I've been reflecting on this. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you're generous, guess what? He's going to be generous to you. And it's going to be more than what you thought. Now, this is not prosperity gospel theology, but it does teach this cosmic reciprocity that when we give, God blesses us in return. It's not always financial. There are some blessings that go beyond the financial. In fact, I'm convinced that God keeps stuff from breaking when you give so you don't have to buy a new one. I can't, I can't, I know stuff still breaks. I'm convinced he makes my car tires on my Volkswagen last longer. I'm convinced that he keeps stuff from happening because I give that I don't even know about. So if you're treading water, you got to give secretly. Give and it will be given to you. And if you are walking on water and you're, you're on the top of the world right now, you're surfing, you got to give secretly. Give generously. So many times I've seen this happen in my life. There have been days when Don and I were down, days early when, honestly, we, we, had to, we had to put diapers on a credit card, diapers and formula on a credit card. Friend, that's underwater. That's treading water. And whenever one of those moments came when we had a bill that was unexpected, some uber generous person left us cash anonymously. I can't tell you the number of meals that people have given to me, and I don't even know who they are. Some of them may be you. That came just at the right time. I have been the recipient of this secret giving. And Don and I have also tried to practice that ourselves. By the way, I've had a front row seat to secret anonymous giving in the life of this church too. There have been huge opportunities presented 
to our church, a need that was shared with us, something that was just awesome opportunity that the church budget couldn't do. And a generous person or two stepped up anonymously and gave a lead gift that enabled us to approach the rest of the church. And we did what we could to meet the need. We have bought trailers and cars, paid for parking lots. We paid hospital bills. We've paid for funerals. (laughs) Just on my mind, if the power goes out today, you could be grateful for a generous anonymous giver who gave $300,000 when this building was built, to buy a 500-kilowatt generator that we were able to match with the rest of the church. It cost us $600,000 because the electricity went out like 500 times our first year here. The power grid was so bad on 128. So if it goes out and when it goes out, guess what? It kicks right in. That was not made possible without an anonymous secret gift of a person who wanted you to be here with air and lighting and all this stuff that we do. And just an FYI, we're practicing this as a church collectively as well. These things that I've been teaching you about money and treasure these last few weeks, how to think differently, how to give generously. We make a prudent church budget. We're working to pay off our remaining church debt, mortgage debt, so we can get out of debt. We give and have given away hundreds of thousands of dollars that you'll never know about. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. We try to practice what we preach here. We've been blessed to be a blessing. Our elders, our staff are praying right now how to invest the wonderful reserves that God has blessed us with. Because we are not meant to hoard this either. It's God's money. And he wants to use it for his kingdom. And I'm so afraid he's not going to come back and catch me with some of his stuff. I mean, we we got to start giving this. But I believe when we give, we ourselves will be blessed. If you're faithful with the small, guess what? God will give you the much. It's a different way to think, but it's a different way to trust. This I Was Broke series, I'm confident online or in the room if it's your first time here, I'm confident that this might be annoying to you. I'm confident that it might provoke you, but it also is providing you an opportunity to trust God more and just watch. Watch if I'm not saying is the truth. And there are some things with giving that you just don't know till you try. I could tell you all day it works, it works, it works. You won't know it until you do it. And then you'll never go back. You know what? I'm afraid not to give now. <laughs> and I don't really not want to give. I'm afraid not to give. It's a verse that JT is going to talk about here in two weeks. Let me read it to you from Malachi 3. See if this applies to you. Bring the whole tithe, the whole 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Just try. JT's going to talk to you about a 90-day generosity challenge to test God and see if he's not faithful to you. More about that later. Test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. There's, there's my, where I get that philosophy. I will prevent stuff from happening to you. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So the question is, is this true or not? Is what God just said true or not? Can you trust God with your money or not? A better question really is, can God trust you with his money? Huh? 
I think there's a reason that our forefathers, again, we celebrate our freedom this weekend. There's some reason that on every piece of currency we have are those four little words. In, did you, have you noticed that lately? In God we trust. It's on the very item we need to be reminded and reminding to trust God for. Why do you think it's on there? Because it's true. I would propose to you our nation is not where it was without God. I would propose to you that your kingdom, your fiefdom, whatever God has given you is not true because you haven't trusted God. It's, 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 it's true because you have. I would say that this kingdom here that God is doing at Whitewater Crossing is true because we trusted God in times when we, everybody else said you don't have to trust him. You don't actually think that we got to where we are today without trusting God and risking something, do you? Investing and believing these principles that we're talking about. So what are you afraid of? <laughs> when God says, test me in this, what are you afraid of? I mean, the king of kings is on your side. Either he's God or he's not. Either it's his stuff or it's not. You'll be miserable if you try to serve two gods. Imagine, imagine what kind of difference it would make in your life if you trusted God fully with your finances. Imagine the difference it would make in our community. Imagine the needs and the difference we could make if everybody who called this church family home trusted God with their money. You know, we're all betting our lives on something. I'm betting my life on the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was not a liar. I'm betting not only my money, but my eternal salvation on it. And I've decided, the Vaughns have decided, that we're just going to trust God. John and Kelly, we're in this with you. Donna and I, we're all in this together, gang. We're betting not on what we can see, but on what we can't see. We're going to trust God to think differently and give generously and secretly. And now that I'm getting a little older, a little longer in the tooth, this verse from Psalms 37 I'm claiming as a testimony. I was young, now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Why? They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. I mentioned my parents earlier. My dad taught me how to think differently and he taught me how to give secretly and generously he taught me how to think differently he kept talking to me every time i had money a paycheck when i started working at lee and moss grocery store he say okay here's the deal it's the 10 20 some of y'all knew that was coming out who'd been around for a while 10 20 first 10 percent everything you make goes to god the next 20 percent you're gonna pay yourself 10 percent long 10 percent short term that's the 20 you're going to live on 70% of what you make. Imagine your life if you lived on less than what you make. If you didn't consume it all, what kind of margin and freedom you would have? 10, 20, 70. Some of y'all live on 110%. And you, you don't even have it yet. But he kept saying, you got to think differently, son, about your wealth. And then my dad taught me to secretly and generously give. I saw my dad give money he didn't have to people he didn't know because he loved and trusted God very much. And I used to like, Dad, I can't believe that. That would have bought me a new bike. 
That would have bought me a car better than my 73 purple gremlin. Dad, that would have got that. But now I realize he was teaching me something beyond money. He was teaching me who is going to trust who with what. Who's most valuable to me? He modeled that. That's what Donna and I do. And so I'm a little hesitant in this next section, but I, because I feel like I'm like riding the line here of breaking Jesus' command. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But I have to share, because if I don't share, you won't know. And everybody secretly wants to know. Does David believe this? So my motive is to inspire you, not to impress you. But I just got to tell you, for the past 19 years, my wife and I have given hundreds of thousands of dollars away to Jesus through the ministry of this church and all around the world. We have never regretted that. For our last capital campaign, we made a commitment of $100,000 above our regular giving. I remember Don Lott talking, we must be crazy. A few years ago, I was audited by the IRS for what they determined to be an unusual amount of giving based on your income. I guess they don't see many preachers that actually believe this. And it's not just me. There are people in this room who have sacrificed thousands of dollars to get you in this seat and get you in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're worth it. You're so worth it. We have been blessed way beyond what we give away. And you can't put a price tag on life change. And I just think now that my dad's in heaven with my mom. They're enjoying the treasure that they laid up, laid down on earth to lay up there. When you get to heaven, you're not going to miss anything with a zero behind it. So these principles, I'm just saying, they work for me. They work for our family. They'll work for your family. Many of these principles are going to be shared next week. You're going to hear from a guy named Joe Sangle. I was broke, now I'm not, which is kind of our series is based on. This book will be available. you have the opportunity to get this next week. It's going to be here next Sunday. And then next Sunday night, 6.30 for financial learning experience. You can sign up for that seminar next Sunday night online. You can also sign up to be an e-giver and start practicing what we're talking about. I want to close with another video story of someone that is near and dear to our system here. Her name is Beth Maxey. She's on our staff team. She is an outstanding leader and an outstanding difference maker. She also, by the way, is the one who sees how generous or not Everyone in this room is, including me. She knows, she's the one really that knows what everybody gives. And she has learned to trust God and apply the things that we have discussed today, even in the midst of the highs and the lows of her life. I want you to listen to Beth's story. So I'm the Director of Stewardship and Finance at Whitewater, and when people hear the word stewardship, they're a little bit, uh, they ask a lot of questions, like what exactly does that mean? And so basically what I have the opportunity of doing is helping people see how they can best use the resources that God has given them. 
Um, and you can do that in a variety of ways. Of course, that is through giving. Um, and specifically in my role, it's uh, giving through finances, um, which takes me to the second part of my job, which is director of finance. And I get to deal with numbers, which is my favorite thing in the world. Um, I know people joke about like, what are you doing on Friday night? I probably am working on a spreadsheet somewhere. So that is what I get to do at Whitewater. I absolutely love what I do and it brings me a lot of joy. I have a medical background. I was actually in there. I have a business degree, but I went back for nursing um, and I think that nursing or the medical field is probably the only other the only other time I've felt that same feeling of being able to help people whether it's hard or it's or it's easy talking about giving like there is this un, unspoken awkwardness that comes when you start talking about money and talking about giving and I, I feel like that's even more so present when you're talking about the church or giving money away, you know? Like, when it's your own money, you can kind of keep that private, but when it comes to talking about money within the church, it's kind of like, eh, are you really gonna go there? And I always joke and say, yeah, we're gonna go there. Um, it's It really is not one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm passionate about helping people find financial freedom, but talking about people's money, gosh, it can get weird really fast. And so um, let's just put that out there and just say that we understand that it's weird and that's okay. Um, we understand that money is, is a private thing, um, but it's also something that God has given us uh, to use wisely, so. In 2000, end of 2015, beginning of 2016, uh, my husband and I found ourselves in a very difficult financial position. Um, we were completely broke. Uh, we had, student loan debt, credit card debt, all the debt, all the debt. And uh, we were actually on vacation with my mom at the time. She had paid for us to go. And I remember Mike looking at me and saying, hey, if this was up to us, we wouldn't be here. Like, cause we couldn't even, we couldn't even afford groceries most, most months. Uh, so we decided that at that moment we were gonna change our, our future forever. And the first thing we decided to do is to give uh, which was probably the hardest decision for us to make. Um, it wasn't so much a hard or a difficult decision on my end, but Mike grew up differently than I did and didn't have that stable background um, in terms of uh, using you know, money well. And so it was a very, I remember the conversation of when we brought up tithing and it was kind of like, like, no, we shouldn't give because we're in debt. And I'm like, but we should give because that's what we've been called to do. And so it was really this, it didn't start out being like a tithe or a 10%. It was just give where you are. And it was just a step, one step in the right direction. And so over the course of three years, we were able to increase our giving year after year, and we could continually see God bless our efforts. And I, and I uh, when I tell people the story, I try to make sure that they understand that God doesn't always bless us financially, um, but there were many situations in our particular case where he did, uh, whether that was an increase of hours or overtime that didn't used to be available was somehow available. And so we could see that through our faithfulness and our belief that God was going to provide that he did every single time. And, and what was amazing to me is that he didn't just provide, um, it was always over and above, like beyond what we needed. My husband found out that he had stage four lung cancer and uh, he was 38. I was 38 and it was at this point in our lives where you think that, you know, like the best is yet to come. Uh, we had four kids, still have four kids, but we have four kids. Um, and it was just that initial shock, like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and I could see God's faithfulness through friends showing up, through encouraging text messages, 
um, through just the feeling that I got that I wasn't alone and that we weren't alone through this. And that carried out throughout his sickness and actually even over the last two years since he's passed away, um, that God has continued to be faithful. And I think that sometimes people think that God's faithfulness is going to come or show itself in these huge ways. And for me, what I've learned is that God's faithfulness is shown in just even sometimes the smallest of things. Um, which should give all of us hope because I think we can all find God in whatever situation we are, in whatever season of life we are.